0: Welcome to the latest episode of the Brushboarders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brushboarders Union, Simon Berman. This month, I am joined by the one and only Union member, Adam Loper. He's been a long-time member of Brushboarders Union. You you may know him better as Uncle Adam of the YouTube channel, Tabletop Minions. Adam, thanks, man. It's great to talk to you.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked to uh, Depticon, um, Mm -hmm. and I know it's it's kind of a big year for Tabletop Minions. uh, Ten years this spring, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, we just hit the, well, we, we was just to say, I, uh, I'm pretty much a, I'm a one man show. Um, sure. yeah, I hit the one man or I hit the, uh, the decade, uh, mark in beginning of March, actually just before Adapticon, uh, I started the channel in early March of 2013 and, um, it's not always been weekly. It didn't start being weekly until like September-ish of 2015 is when I finally said, you know, I should try to do this less randomly. And then, yeah it's pretty much it's pretty much stuck on from there every, every friday and then of course there's the every other sunday show every couple of um days and every couple of weeks and then um there's also um' now i've been streaming on twitch since the pandemic uh, i stream on twitch twice a week on uh, monday nights 7 central and Friday mornings 10 central and i do that for like three hours and just basically paint and chat and answer questions and stuff like that
0: Very cool. Yeah. If you're listening, all this is going to be linked in the show notes. So, you know, definitely go check it out on YouTube and uh, Twitch and and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, let's talk a little bit about Tabletop means. I think, you know, as far as long running miniatures gaming, well, not just miniatures gaming, but largely miniatures gaming related podcasts Mm -hmm. or YouTubes, I should say, um, you've got one of the longest going at this point. The content's great. You were in, uh, you know, how did did you get started with that a decade ago?
1: Well, it was actually a little longer than that. Um, I started, so sometime around 2010. There's a channel, they've changed their name since. They are now called on Tabletop, but back in the day they were Beasts of War. And they were a very well produced kind of like YouTube channel. And I was watching um, their their content and they put out a video and they mentioned Gen Con in the title or whatever. And I was planning on going Gen Con that year. I've been going to Gen Con since 1992. I think I've missed maybe three or four since 1992. Yeah. And so I was hoping that they were going to be there. And so I could be like, oh, that'd be great. You maybe see those guys. And was it turns out they weren't going, but they were looking for someone who was going who might be able to record something or something, which they didn't say in the video particularly they said something like, Hey, you know, put in the comments below, if you're going to be a Gen Con. And I did. And back in that day, YouTube had a messaging system. So you could like message users and stuff like that. So they sent uh-huh. me a message, uh, and said, Hey, do you have like a camera that shoots HD? Do you have, uh, you know, a microphone, would you be interested in talking to these different, um, you know, marketing people and things like that? Um, I don't know that it was that year. It was some year at De- Depticon, but that's when you and I met. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. I interviewed you for uh, when you were with um, Privateer Press. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I was their U.S. correspondent for mm, like about two years. I so remember I, that, I would, yeah. I would go to to uh, you know, Gen Con and Adepticon. Those were the two main things that I would go to. Uh, and then I just... I wanted to start doing my own thing. I wanted to learn uh, video editing. Really, like I was just basically taking footage and then you know throwing it into. Well, it wasn't a Dropbox because there was no Dropbox right. the, in the early days. It was FTP basically. So you know, and you're at a hotel and you're trying to FTP footage to you know Northern Ireland, uh, and it would drop all the time constantly because you know hotel internet's kind of garbage. Yeah, yeah. But uh, nowadays it's way easier. Obviously, if I was to, having to do that, but um, it was yeah, it was just a situation of basically me deciding, you know, I kind of wanted to do my own thing and everything. And mm-hmm. so it was a, a amicable uh, breakup, you know, uh, and sure. one of these days I still want to go visit, uh, those guys up in Northern Ireland. Um, we were, my wife and I were thinking about going to, um, England in uh, fall of 2020 and of then course. that didn't and strange, yeah. Did, yeah. Not, <laughs> did not turn out. Oh, so, uh, yeah. So one of these days it'll probably happen, but, um, Yeah, that's kind of how I started. And then I just, you know, sort of made random videos about wargaming because I wanted to teach myself tabletop, right? Sorry, editing, you know, video editing. Sure. And I thought I should make it about a hobby that I enjoy. So I'm not just flailing around and making videos about whatever. So that's why I focused on tabletop wargaming because I've been doing that for quite some time. And then, uh, I kind of started to focus on the channel should be not just about tabletop gaming in general, but about getting people into the hobby, getting, you know, new players into the hobby and all that kind of stuff. Um, And that's when kind of the mission statement, there is not technically an official mission statement, but that's kind of when the mission statement sort of changed and it became about getting people into the hobby and showing people that it's not as scary as you might think. And that's what I've been focusing on for probably at least the last nine years. Like I said, the early days, it was a lot of just like, Oh, I'm going to just make a video about doing this thing and see how that works out. And then, you know, two months later, I'll do another video. And then two weeks later, I'll do another video. And it was, like I said, late September, I think sometime or sorry. Yeah. Late September, probably like 2015 is when I decided finally, like let's just start putting these things out every single Friday. So.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's a, that's a long tail on it, but I I think it's really admirable mission statement because I think, miniatures gaming in particular is kind of an overwhelming hobby to get into if you're if you're new to it even if you know people who are Mm -hmm. um you know it's really it's more resources like like youtube and your your channel these days but um you know it's it's almost overwhelming to figure out where to start you know so as you were kind of starting to move in that that direction of creating content for new players and getting them started and introduced to the hobby what what was your introduction to the hobby like
1: um when i was in middle school so i played some dnd i had a uh a babysitter that taught me D and D when I was probably in fifth grade. Uh, and then in sometime in middle school, uh, f- uh, my mom has this, had had a friend uh, and her oldest son and I, we would, you know, hang out together from time to time. And he played battle tech back when it was still cardboard standees. I don't even know if yeah. they had, you know, plastic or metal miniatures back then. So we would play battle tech sometimes over at their house and he kind of taught me that. And um, then I didn't really do much tabletop gaming at all during high school, it seemed. I was, uh, I got into photography and I was on the newspaper and I did all that kind of stuff and everything and was playing some video games and such. And then when I got into college, I kind of got back into Battletech here and there. And then uh, a, a good friend of mine, Uh, taught me how to play this game called Space Hulk because he had first edition Space Hulk. And that's when I was first introduced to the whole kind of games workshop milieu, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it was really interesting to me. And then I kind of started, I never wanted to, it was interesting at that time, I wanted to get into, you know, 40K and and stuff like that but i didn't want an entire army i'd never was interested really particularly in like these big army style games i was always interested in skirmish stuff but skirmish stuff was very far few and far between back then you know what i mean um yeah absolutely yeah so it was a situation of like me buying models here and there and just sort of messing around with them and painting them and everything And i was trying to find like some sort of game there was a game that came out one year at gen con <sighs> what the heck was it called shock force i want to say it came like i don't a, know that one it came in a, like a white uh box that just had a sticker on it and then it came with like a unit of like kind of five or six like kind of soldiers that were obviously hand sculpted and then there were i think five or six like native americans and it was basically like post-apocalyptic kind of america and so you had like corporate forces against like native americans against oh, wow. like all kinds of different things these different factions i mean um uh, Sh- uh, shadow run was real big at the time you know and so it was kind of it wasn't quite cyberpunk but it was kind of pulling from that like yeah. you know how in, in cyberpunk you had like the native americans who would become a big faction you right, know and then you right. had all this kind of different stuff going on so it was working in a lot of these different things and it was kind of, kind kind of, of early in, 90s era yeah i'm trying to remember the name of the yeah. company dream forge or dream something but yeah the game was called shock force battles in the remnants of america or something along those lines yeah. and i was like well, this is really cool and um but then eventually I did, you know, I started getting into, uh, other types of games that were a little bit more skirmish oriented. And then like in fifth edition, I started playing combat patrol with, uh, some guys that I knew and that's, you know, f- f- well, nowadays, especially it's a more important kind of 40 K thing, but at the time right. it was sort of like, a. I don't want to say it was crowdsourced, but it was like, I think that they had like put something into a white dwarf at some point and then people in our area at least just sort of ran with it. Yeah, you it know? was and, very
0: fan directed, sure.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And so that's when I kind of got into that. And I, I honestly, I have never yet... Completely had an entirely painted two thousand point force of forty uh, k. I've had a yeah. fifteen hundred point force, and then I had the models built and primed to take it to five. To, you know the extra five hundred points, uh-huh. but it never really, yeah. And and even to this day, I'm still much more interested in skirmish, and I'm really enjoying combat patrol and stuff like that. And I think that I'm going to probably eventually have like a thousand point army for for tenth edition, but that's yeah. probably. I just don't see myself. I just don't want to push around that many models in place That's for fair. that long. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I, I think
0: it's cool that you recognize that about yourself. Cause I, I think a lot of miniatures gamers, they, 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 there's some, you know, ideal way to play the game they have in their head, but it actually doesn't match with what they actually want to play. Exactly. Uh, it causes a certain amount of stress and and confusion for people. So I think it's cool. That you're able to like, I prefer skirmish gaming. That's what I'm going to focus on. I
1: th- I think that, yeah, like I, I will make videos sometimes that people in the comments will be like, well, yeah. Thanks for saying that there, Captain Obvious. You know, like I did a video just recently about how like reasons why you might not want uh, the Leviathan box, like before it came out. And I literally said in there, if you don't want space Marines or Tyranids, then you probably don't want the Leviathan box. And there were yeah, people sure. who were like, and there are people who were like, yeah, well, no kidding. But then there were also lots of other comments from people like, you know, I needed to hear that. That's yeah, because <laughs> like, the hype was really like big. And I'm like, I got to get this box. But honestly, I don't I don't play either of these forces and I don't see myself playing these, you know, and I've still got the Indominus box from three years ago that I barely even, you know, and so that's the kind of stuff that I do kind of like to focus on is that not only the concept of like, look, don't just go along for the ride when the marketing tells you to, but also, you know, I like to tell people that since it's gaming, it should be fun. Like that's kind of the point to games, Mm -hmm. you know, and The thing that I think is really important about this hobby, and I think that's really cool about this hobby, is that if you do it right, and by right, I mean don't take it crazy seriously and get crazy about it all the time, it should be a stress-relieving hobby. It should be almost like when you're sitting there and you're painting or whatever. I was just downstairs before this started. I was painting some bases on some uh, uh, Imperial Guard that I'm working on for a combat patrol. I uh, was just painting the, just, just, you know, painting the bases. The models are mostly finished so now I'm going through and just doing simple base coating on the bases. And it's just very almost meditative. You know what I mean? Cause Absolutely. you're just you know, do this one, work on that, make sure to get in all the nooks and crannies, take it in the next one, you know, dip your brush. Like it's just, and I think that people need that kind of hobby, honestly. Um, a lot of people, I think do need something like that. So it's not focusing on you know, Twitter and, and you know, uh, unfettered anger in the ho- the lobbies of video games and, right. you know, like all the other yeah. things that we have access to these days that sometimes can drive us kind of nuts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, kind of going back to like what you're talking about, you know, with Leviathan, like, you know, don't get it if you're not going to play Tyrions or or Space Marines, right? And it, it's it's approaching the hobby with a level of intentionality. Yeah. And, you know, not, not just, you know, in your purchases, but, you know, in your painting and stuff. I think I talked about this kind of recently, but, you know, I've discovered I really like army painting. You know, I like painting up a skirmish warband with a lot of, you know, individual characters, but I find it so relaxing to paint a squad of 20 dudes who are basically all the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like my, my brain turns off and I, I really enjoy it. And I, I think it's, it's a little counterintuitive because people talk about army painting like it's this huge chore and I'm like, I love it. You know, I, I figure out my paint scheme and I can just turn my brain off and just just do it for a few hours a night and then I've got an army. Um, But that's, that's yeah. not everybody's paint scheme. That's not everybody's approach to painting, but it took me a while to kind of figure out how much I like that and why I like it. Now I can kind of approach those big army projects. They aren't, I don't think of them as chores anymore. I think of it as an opportunity to like really do something I love.
1: Mm-hmm. There's, I did a video not too long ago, kind of talking about like, you need to determine what your limit is, you know, some people like can't do over five models some people can't even do one or you know more than one like they're like i I paint one model at a time for my entire army now to me that's kind of crazy because it's going to take you forever in my opinion like going from start to finish on this model and then start to finish on the next model Mm -hmm. in my opinion like taking five or ten And then, you know, paint and boots, 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 boots. And then by the time your last boots are done, first boots are dry. And then you can start working on pants or whatever. That to me seems speedier, but I don't know. I guess I haven't sat down and actually like measured the time on doing it either way. But, you know, I still, it just feels like it's faster. But figuring out is five-year limit, is 10-year limit? Like, I think the maximum I've ever done was probably, I know I did a unit of 13 plague monks. Those guys were all basically identical. Um, and so, you know, but I think that if I was to do like 20, I think there'd be more than I could, that I would be interested in, but 10 is definitely fine, you know, but everybody's got their thing.
0: I, uh, you know, I, I did, I started working in a really big Horus Heresy army Mm -hmm. last summer. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I, I I have painted a lot of Mark six space Marines in the past year, not just for myself, but for friends. And I've I've discovered 10 space Marines at a time is is where I'm happiest. I can do 20, but I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But but 10 is that sweet spot for me between like, getting a lot done in an efficient manner, but not, Mm -hmm. but not being overwhelmed by it.
1: Yeah. No, I, 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 like I said, I think 10 is usually my, my limit, but it's, um, it's, I I can go a little higher if needs be, but generally sure. Like I'm working on technically 20 right now, but there I'm, I'm working on 10 off stream and then 10, like just only on Twitch. So the ones that I'm working on off stream, I'm way ahead on, I'm almost finished. And the Twitch ones, um, very frequently i like to work on a project that i have that i only work on when i'm doing it on twitch because then that way then people who come in you know on next next episode see me pick up where I left off as opposed to they come back and then I'm like okay well I've finished those guys and I'm working on something else or I'm you know I've done you know six more steps since then and now you guys are going to see what's going like people kind of especially if they keep coming back they like to see the progress on that it seems so that's why I have a tendency to do that but I'm not going to do it for the entirety of the combat patrol because it'll take me forever I did do it for the entirety of the combat patrol for my death watch, but it was only 15 dudes. So, you know, it was fine, but this is, you know, there's 20, uh, shock troops. There's a five person squad of, um, like commander, like command squad. Mm-hmm. There's a armored Sentinel and there's two bases of the, uh, field ordnance uh, thingies. And I think that's, I think that's all of the combat patrol. So I'm, you know, kind of working on a unit, but then I'm working on everything else in parallel. And, um, sure. and I'll be continuing to go on that because I think after I'm done with this combat patrol, I think at least on Twitch, I'm just going to go on to another thing. that's going to either be another combat patrol because I have other ones I could be working on, or I might just continue along with some other piece of the thousand point army that I'm working on uh, overall for that group and, uh, and go from there. But I do like to try to, I mean, every once in a while I have, um, like sponsored streams that I do where I'm working on a project, you know, for a sponsor and that kind of stuff. But in general, yeah, yeah. you know, if I'm, if I'm doing a, a project specifically, I like to go from, you know, beginning to end, maybe not to the very end. I very frequently don't paint bases on stream because a lot of times you're like, okay, but wash and everything and then wait for 45 minutes. Yeah. That's right. Not, not that's the, the most thing. exciting part of the, exactly. yeah, the process, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: That's cool but, though. Yeah. Um, I'm lo- I'm loving combat patrol myself. I think it's you know there's a lot of armies I don't necessarily want to paint a big army for, but you know I do a combat patrol of world eaters. That'd be cool. Exactly, and, uh, that's it's fun that's, as hell too. Yeah. I played six or seven games with my Eldar and uh, Tyranid combat patrols. Had a great time with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been playing uh, against uh, Sam Lenz. We've been we've been playing a bunch. Um, we've been playing. I've been playing the Space Marines from the Leviathan versus his Tyranids from Leviathan. And then last time we played, he started a Necron. Uh, uh, force, uh, oh, nice. combat you know, he had he had like all the parts from Indominus, but he just needed to get a Doomstalker and he was able to find one locally. Yeah, now yeah. You, you can't find Doomstalkers right. anymore, yeah, they vanished. Um, yeah, um. And then, and luckily I have one too. I was, I was, I've been doing this project on and off for years that I call my forsaken robots, where I just like to paint like a robot that was left behind on a battlefield. That's now just like the battle has been over for decades. And this robot just keeps, it's kind of like wally, e but you know, yeah. like a, like a, you know, uh, Warhammer 40k version sort of. That's awesome. Um, and so I had painted the Kenoptic reanimator in that sort of style on Twitch and then at some point, I don't know, like last year, I came across the Doomstalker and I was like, oh, I should do it with that one, too. So I bought it and just threw it in my shelf. And then when I saw that the Doomstalker was in the, um, you know, the combat patrol, I was like, oh, I think I have that. And lo and behold, I did. So um, nice. So, yeah, but uh, so he was running his tier, ne- or, sorry, Necrons, and I was uh, fighting against him with my Death Watch. So at this point, I've got the Death Watch and the Space Marines finished, and I'm working on the guard. And then after that, I don't know, I've got the box for Adeptus Mechanicus. I've got the box for Blood Angels, and I've got the box for Tau. Um, I've gone a little sort of crazy on yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> buying some of those like I had the towel one already because uh, I, I GW sent it to me oh gosh when it came out like two years ago or something like that um, but the rest of those I've all I've purchased all of those I had told well i still is the case I told GW like because I've worked with them long enough that they send me stuff from time to time and I actually emailed them and was like can you stop sending me 40k stuff because you know there's it was it was like for a while it was like a codex every week it seemed like you know what i mean and i'm like i don't play these armies and i don't really talk about the codexes that much and things like that so at some time maybe in the early days of the pandemic i think somewhere around that time i was like i reached out and i was like hey can we just like skirmish stuff you know Mm -hmm. kill team war cry that's fine but i don't you know, so um I think one of the last things that, that I did end up getting was, like I said, that um that net or sorry, the Tau. Uh, yeah. Lock set for combat patrol. And I don't know, there's a what's the what's the it's not a storm. Is it a storm surge? That's not the right one.
0: I'm not up on my tau stuff.
1: Yeah, it's one of the battle suits, but it's like it's a little bit bigger, but I can't think of which one storm surge, I think, is that really big one um ghost keel i think it's a ghost keel oh yeah that
0: sounds right yeah
1: yeah so that's kind of cool i haven't painted any tau stuff since back in the day when i first started when i started in fifth and we were playing combat patrol tau was my first army yeah because i thought well these guys will be quick to paint up which was true but they were also kind of dull to paint up so then i got rid of all my tau stuff and uh then i um uh i got into uh, chaos because that stuff was fun to convert
0: right on um so I think, you know, I like combat, it's a great place to kind of start with 40k these days. But I, w- I was wondering, um, in that mode, when, it, when you're creating content and videos that are kind of mm-hmm. helping people get started with miniatures gaming, what have you learned is important in helping somebody get started with miniatures?
1: With a lot of people, um, the two limiting factors, the two factors that give them the most trouble, generally, are, well, I don't know how to paint or build models, which is obviously something you can learn. But there's a lot of a lot of times people kind of take this, they I don't know how to do that. So therefore I'm not going to do it. And, right. You know, you, you have to explain to them, a, it's something you can learn, which they know. They just, it's, it's just like a stumbling block. They know they can yeah. learn it, but they just don't know how. Well, you know, obviously we have the internet now and the YouTube and there's tons and tons and tons of resources for that. Um, And secondly, you know, the other thing about learning is it's also not that hard. It's not as hard as they may think. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I don't, think i have the ability to paint you know individual links on this person's like chain mail like i don't know how you did that your brush must have been like one bristle and you're like well no it's a a technique called dry brushing it's really crazy easy and once you learn like three or four different techniques you can paint and it'll look great um the other big thing is money you know the it's an expensive hobby to get into so um What I like to focus on very frequently is things like that dry brushing, you know, like tell people, look, this is a technique that's very simple to do. Go get yourself some cheap makeup brushes from the dollar store. They work great. You can do this and that and the other thing and you have these effects and it's great. Um, And then the other thing that I like to talk about too is, again, like, you know, when I tell you to go to the dollar store, like I did a video just recently about um, how to like start wargaming, like completely start. Yeah, not not this like oh we'll buy this book and do this, but we assume you already have paints and all this other stuff. Like no, like right. I don't I don't even have any paints or brushes or nothing. And how to start in less than a hundred bucks. And I you know I talked about going to the dollar store and getting you know dry brushes from the makeup uh, aisle. Um, you know, just, all, just super glue from the from the from the dollar store. You know, like yeah, all yeah. these different things. Um, and then talked about. Uh, I think a very inexpensive manufacturer that I think does great work, uh, War Games Atlantic. They do all kinds of great stuff in plastic. And then, um, uh, you know, one-page rules. You can download that stuff for free, but for five bucks, you can also get like a full-blown, you know, completely fleshed out game rules book that works really great and is modular and has all kinds of things and you can grow with it and everything like that. So it was, you know, that type of stuff I think is really important for people who are like, because it's so much easier for people to just go, I'm just going to go back to playing PlayStation and there's Great. nothing wrong with playing, you know, video games. I've got a PlayStation myself and I've sure, yeah. games as well sometimes. Um, but I feel, I don't know. It is, it's interesting. There's for some reason, and it's maybe just kind of a lizard brain thing. I feel after three hours of playing a video game versus three hours of painting and working on models, I feel like, at the end of both of those periods. And one of those things, I have a physical object. You know what I mean? And I feel like I've I've just got something more going on. There are days when you're just like, I am just wanting to be entertained and just turn my brain off or maybe even just only have my brain on like halfway. Or, you know, and there are Lord knows people out there who are playing like very uh, mentally taxing you know, puzzle games and even like, you know, RPGs and things like that. And that's great but I just feel like I have accomplished a little bit more when I get, have a cool piece of terrain finished or like a cool unit of models and stuff like that. Um, So I just want to try to spread that around and get more people kind of interested in that. I mean, we have no, we don't have to worry about tabletop wargaming, um, you know, overtaking video games. It's, it's, it's certainly certainly not going to happen. But I think that there are people out there who I, who can be served better sometimes by like maybe dialing back a little bit on the electronic stuff. And I'm Lord knows not a Luddite. I mean, you know, I, but yeah, still, yeah. I just, You're I think on, you,
0: you do run a YouTube channel,
1: right? Yeah. And no, and <laughs> I, and I, my, my, my day job in, you know, has been visual design UX UI and, you know, yeah. building, you know, uh, the, the, the visuals for apps and websites and things like that. But sometimes it's also nice to turn all that off a little bit and uh, do something that's a little bit more hands on and you focus, you know, listen to a podcast while you're doing it or something like that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I I find it a relief to not be looking at a screen, to be honest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm, that, that in and of itself has some value to me in, in this year. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you, you've kind of done some tips and tricks and getting started in reviews and you've also been doing some miniatures gaming awards, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I a couple of years back, uh, three years ago, maybe like that, I decided that I would do um, basically like a year-end sort of thing. And the benefit to it, in my opinion, is that it has gotten people to take a look at, you know, I don't want to say everything is indie in there. I mean, I think I, at one point I did give an award to a model from GW. I want to say it was the Ambot from Necromunda. Necromunda, yeah. Yeah, that's just a great... Necromunda models are awesome. I'm not particularly sold on the game rules set. Um, Even with the new thing that just dropped, the new uh, book, uh, it's it's still way too much, I think. It's just that book is... Seventeen pounds, I swear to God. I but, love it, uh, but
0: you've got to look at Necromunda as more of a role playing game. Yeah, really. You have, no, yeah, you have, a, you have a, a gang instead of a character sheet, right? And then you mm-hmm. have all these these buttons and extra bells and whistles you can use to make the campaign do whatever you want. But it's 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 a lot, and I, that's a feature for me, but uh, it's not for everybody.
1: Right? Yeah. No, I uh, not last year, but the year before at the little convention that I run here in town, the Tabletop Minions Expo. The, uh, a guy ran uh, Ash Wastes because it just came out and he was running demos of it. That's pretty much what happens at uh, TMX is just it's yeah. all demos. People, you know, teaching other people you know, games and stuff. That's cool. And um, during that game, every single round, because of the scenario, each figure had to roll to see if they had gone blind, insane or started on fire. Like like that was the and I'm just like wow that's 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 a lot of things to keep track of and they're like yeah you got to do it every turn too I'm like oh okay cool neat so um (laughs) but yeah so the the award thing that I've done in the past the tabletop minions awards which I think is a relatively simple name uh it's it's been fun and it's just also been able to kind of get things out in front of people that they may not have necessarily known like I like to talk about. I I like to talk about Games Workshop stuff because as people who are interested in getting into the hobby, the newbies, that's what they've heard of. You know, I make an analogy all the time about like when you're a kid and you first start getting into music, you're probably going to listen to popular music because it's what's popular, it's what's accessible, it's what's on the radio. And then as you get more and more into music, some people – just keep listening to popular music the entirety of their life, which is totally fine. But a lot of people, as they get more into music, they start getting into the weirder indie stuff and things that aren't so popular necessarily yeah. you know, out there. And it's the same type of thing with uh, wargaming. You'll have people who are like, I play GW and that's all I do and that's fine. But then you're also going to have people who are like, I started playing GW and I did that, which is what I did. And then, you know, I still like to do that here and there, but I also still like, you know, kind of indie games. And I'm interested in finding like different manufacturers and different Mm -hmm. companies that make this stuff and everything like that. And so I want to be able to talk about the stuff that, you know, that brings people to wargaming you know talking about games workshop stuff but then i also like to make it you know slip in videos where i talk about like oh you know you should check out this game you know sword weirdos or uh, you know yeah. space weirdos or uh, one page rules or you know although one page rules is getting pretty big you know i mean they're, yeah, it is absolutely they're doing, doing great
0: no that's very cool no it's good to see somebody doing awards for miniature stuff that actually knows miniatures because historically that's kind of been a a gap in that um you know at the Ennies at Gen Con, they have mm. sort of a miniatures category they used to. Um, and, uh, you know, speaking of somebody who, as far as role-playing games, you know, has, has been part of teams that have won numerous Ennies, I, I, the Ennies have their place. But the people who judge the Ennies typically don't know much of anything about miniatures, and the uh, the choices are often sort of baffling for anybody who does know. Um, you know, See, I, I didn't I, even I, know
1: the... I didn't even know the Ennies the Ennies did uh, uh, miniatures. I thought it was just an RPG uh, awards. I'm
0: experiment. I'm not sure that they still do. They did oh, about ten years be... ago. Okay. Um, I, I honestly the, the the miniatures portion of it was so badly judged, and it, it's not the fault of mm. the judges. Just they don't know anything about miniatures, so they're not they're not really capable of making informed decisions. Um, and I just stopped paying attention to it for a while. So I don't sure, I don't know if they yeah. still do it or not. But you know, um, you know, it was it was clear that the people who were winning the Ennies for the miniatures categories were winning because they had brand recognition. And not because anybody who was able to look at the miniature and go, oh, this is, this is well sculpted, or this is, you know, an interesting piece of engineering. Right. Um, you know, and it, it was, it was a little um, chaotic because of that. So I think it's cool that, you know, somebody like you who has a passion for miniatures and, you know, an actual um, industry-based knowledge of miniatures is, is doing an award. So that's very cool of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's usually something towards the end of the year I like to do. So. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Let me know about it again this year. I'll be happy to to push it around because I think that's, mm-hmm. that's cool, and I, I think there's a lot of a lot of people working in miniatures who don't whose work deserves awards and aren't getting them because there's nobody doing stuff like that. So it's great. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think cool. it'd be really interesting to see somebody do a. Um, I think my mini factory would be smart of them. Well, they may not. They may be too close to it, and it might not work out. But somebody should be like literally going through my mini factory, and then like whether it's nominations or something, but having like an award ceremony every year for new, uh, sculpts that show up on, you know, for STLs, you know, that show up on well, yeah, sure. factors, like that, I think, cause there's an astounding amount of stuff on there and oh, it's just
0: staggering. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: And, 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 and to be fair, there are times when you're like, Oh, I want to get a cool alien figure. And then you type in, you know, alien. And then it's for reasons that I don't understand, like, you know, the, the Xenomorph from the aliens movies, but, wearing high heel shoes and you're like, that's yeah. not, that's not what I was looking for. I was kind right. of looking more like an alien gray and the, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but there are also amazing other sculpts out there. Like I've been coming across sculpts that are, I have a suspicion are hand sculpted and then scanned. Like there's a couple of them that I'm look, looking at. I'm like, this doesn't look computer sculpted. It's like really cool grungy, like, you know, Inquisition yeah. 28 type stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, this is very cool. And I like that, that look to some degree, like, I don't know. Like, I don't have quite as much nostalgia for hand-sculpted miniatures. And I have a suspicion that, that makes me a bad person, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> I. There was just, literally just today, GW announced on Twitter and a bunch of other places that there's a bunch of different space marines that they're kind of sunsetting. Yeah. Um. You know, and it's like scouts and some other things, you know, it's land speeders and things. And people... Like the 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 gnashing of teeth and rending of garments has been astounding, and the amount of hate for Primaris Marines is uh, really weird, in my opinion, because they are like when you put a Primaris Marine up against, in my opinion, you put a Primaris Marine up against a Firstborn, uh, as they're called very frequently these days, or normal Tac Marine or whatever, they just look better at least in my mind, like they're, they're, they're more proportionally uh, correct. Uh, they're, they're more fun to paint for sure. As a person who's painted bunches of both, I don't know. It's just, it's so amazing the way people get so weird about it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's been coming for a while. I mean, anybody who's yeah. seen the writing on the wall for that since 2008, uh, I guess, it was 17 when the when, eighth uh, edition came out? You know, we've all known they're going to yeah. actually move some of those old sculpts out, in the Primaris, that that was going to be the new look of the line. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, you've had 20 years to buy a lot of those sculpts. I can't shed too many tears about it.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I thought it was funny that, like, somebody said, like, well, you know, you guys just put out these um, index cards. And then, uh, you know, so I bought a whole bunch of scouts and now you're telling me that the scouts aren't going to be in the new codex and you're like you just bought scouts now? like what yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean I guess if you just got into the hobby yeah. okay I get it I get it
0: but yeah
1: that's but I also. Don't know. but they still
0: have rules they have the index cards you know I the, the community tends to act like the legend stuff doesn't exist when in fact it, it does <laughs> like it's right. right there you can use those rules like maybe you're not going to play them in a tournament but that's not that's not the I only way to play the game and in exactly. fact it's probably the smallest way to play the game right? it like,
1: is it is, but yet it has such a, a heavy weight yeah. in the coverage. Well, not even the coverage, not like from it. Well, like the people online who talk about it, it's it's astounding when you get people who, and, it, and this happens, well, I was going to say it happens in all the different games, but honestly, I don't know that it does as much. I think that GW's, you know, the Warhammer games are the biggest ones for this, but I'm sure it happened as well with... Um, uh, with you know, with um, uh, War Machine and hordes and things like that, to some degree, is that because there was a, a, a pretty beefy, good-sized amount of people who were playing it, you know, competitively. But anything that has anything to do that that, that, that affects the way that the competitive game is tweaked in any way just gets magnified so largely yeah. on the internet when most people are like, I didn't even know there was a new edition. We're still playing in my basement, and having a right. great yeah. time. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like, and so, yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting, and it's one of the reasons, like that, w- Vince and I with our games have not ever even thought about tournaments or or competitive play of any kind, yeah. and that's not where we're headed. So that's yeah. It's it's uh you know I'm not against the concept. I'm glad that people have a good time doing it. Although they never look like they're having a good time <laughs> no. like when you go to <laughs> you go to Adepticon and you watch like that. You know, like the 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 team tournament's different because everyone's drunk at the yeah team exactly. <laughs> But the the, the single-player championships for 40K, those people are all very morose-looking. Like, they're very, like, in, you know, focused and are, are, yeah. each one of them is going to win. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't think, Ed, that logistically that each of you can win. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I've not played a competitive game, like, played in an actual tournament. I think the last time I did was at the beginning of Star Wars X-Wing yeah and i really did not enjoy myself and i was like you know what i need to learn that i shouldn't do this anymore just because sure. people run a, a tournament my local town doesn't mean i need to attend i should stop right. stop doing this and that's what i've done so
0: yeah i mean i, I played competitive war machine a little bit um sure i guess in, in first editions that would have been like 2006 to 2008 until i started working at privateer press actually but um mm. you know these days competitive play is so so antithetical to how i approach war gaming like i have I have to wrap my head around the fact that I used to have fun doing it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's almost yeah. purely an aesthetic thing for me now, right? Like I like seeing the table with the cool figures and the cool, cool terrain, and I want it mm-hmm. to look great. and I want it to feel immersive, and you know, I, I just I can't I can't imagine playing a competitive war game anymore. But, uh, yeah, no,
1: it's definitely for me. It it's again, and I've I mentioned this before. I just feel like if you're not having, if it, if you, if it doesn't seem as if you're having fun, then my question is, are you playing a game, you know, or right. is it becoming work or something like that? Or, or, yeah, some, you absolutely. know, that's yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, but you, a minute ago, you'd mentioned, you know, the games you're doing with, uh, with Vince, I presume Vince Venturella. Uh, yes. so let's talk about yep. those. You guys are a couple, couple games out now. You got some new stuff coming out. I'd love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah. So I had this idea sometime in, I don't know, 2018, 2019, I had this concept for a game, A skirmish game of demons fighting demons in kind of a post-apocalyptic hell kind of situation. Uh, You know, demons. This the the concept is you've got these creatures that they're in this dimension that have been coming to Earth and they've been kind of convincing people to come with them, and then they can get soul energy from these people if they can get them to follow. So, you know, here on Earth the The whole concept behind it is like, you know, oh, they're demons, and you're you know you're, uh, you know, you're signing a contract with the devil and all these different things that we as humans have decided to turn this into. but it's actually just these creatures from this other dimension who've been bringing us back through this portal so that they can get our soul energy for reasons because awesome. it's yeah, it's, sure. it's, a, it's a currency, it's what they eat, that kind of thing, whatever. Um, the usual exactly. yeah, yeah, and so <laughs> I, I wanted, uh, so in the story, then, the concept was that eventually, Humans figured this out due to some circumstances and then uh, a small army was built and sent back through that portal into hell, broke the portal... Um, destroyed the directorate of hell, which is kind of like the leaders that were like, because things used to be very bureaucratic in hell and everything and all this kind of stuff. And now all that stuff has been ruined. And so hell is all screwed up and broken and everybody, you know, and no one's leading the the, the charge anymore, or doing anything. So the idea behind Reign in Hell would be then you would be a leader who would start a new war band and you would follow one of six philosophies, a.k.a. like a faction. Uh, uh-huh. and you, you, would have this philosophy of like the way that hell is supposed to be. And then you're going to rebuild hell and you're fighting against other factions who are also, you know, or other war band, uh, cabals is the proper terminology. Awesome. Um, so yeah, your cabal versus another player's cabal and, um, demon models are relatively simple to source. Like anything can be a demon. If you believe sure. in yourself, uh, D and D monsters, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, on our discord, we had a guy who made an entire cabal of demons that were all just dudes in suits, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, nice. yeah, that's great. But uh, so I had this concept, and I knew that uh, I could not um, write it particularly well because I'm not particularly a good game designer. I have ideas, and I'm a good, you know, art director and layout and all that kind of stuff and marketing. Sure. But the actual like math, that's like hard. So um, I knew that Vince, uh, my friend Vince, had been doing game design, you know, on and off for quite some time. So I reached out to him at some point in 2019. And said, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And then the pandemic started. And then sometime around October of 2020, I just was like, I texted him. I'm like, do you want to start working on that thing? Because I'm kind of bored. And he's like, yeah, "Yeah, no. And so we started working on it. And probably about halfway through the project, before we even published it, I I said to him, I'm like, do you want to keep doing this? And he's like, well, what do you mean? What's wrong? I'm like, no, no, I I don't don't mean do you want to keep doing this project? I'm saying after we get this project done, do you want to do another one? Or is this just a one-off thing? He's like, no, I think it'd be a lot of fun to keep going. So that's when we started um, Snarling Badger Studios. And uh, we produced Rain in Hell. Uh, it came out end of May in 2021. Mm-hmm. And we both talked about it on our YouTube channels and all that kind of stuff. There was no Kickstarter. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um, it's available via PDF and uh, print-on-demand through war game vault war game vault has got uh i think a, a relatively it's it's the same company that does um drive through rpg, RPG right? and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah they're a the, the umbrella corporation that goes over all of that is a company called one bookshelf and they yep. have drive through cards and drive through comics and drive through rpg and war game vault and all that kind of stuff and um they do nice work. Like the book, the, the print on demand books are really really nicely done. Um yeah, print the on demand used really to be real, these days. Yeah, it used to be real sketchy back when it first started in the yeah. 90s. <laughs> like just print on demand in general. Like you could be walking down the aisle at Gen Con and you could see a book from 20 feet away and be like, "Oh, that's print on demand." Uh and now, you know, you can hand it to most people. Like I've got a friend who's worked in a book bindery uh, for 30 years and I had it in the book and he's like, this is very nice. They're doing really good work. And I'm like, yeah, I I think so too. Um, So anyway, yeah, we, um, so we published that first game in late May uh, of 2021. And then in late August of 2022, last year, we produced our second game, which is based off of a concept that um, Vince had, which is, uh, it was a concept for an RPG actually that he'd had for like a decade and just never quite launched. Uh, And it's called Space Station Zero. And in that, the concept is that uh, as any culture gets to the point where they can start figuring out how to go faster than light, um, sometimes it doesn't work. And you don't end up where you thought you were going to end up. Sometimes you just explode or whatever, and your atoms are spread across several parsecs. And other times you end up Uh someplace (laughs) and you're like, this is not where we were going. And there's nothing there. There's like, you can barely with your most powerful sensors make out stars, like, hundreds of thousands if not millions almost of light years away and you are literally in the middle of literally nothing there's nothing there except this one giant honking space station that you just happen to pop up like right next to and it hails you in your language and then you go there and land and there's all these different aliens there and they're all kind of stuck there the same way and then you start to go through and just explore the ship so the first game Um, Rain in Hell was adversarial. It was my cabal versus your cabal. But because of the pandemic, we had people who said, you know, um, could you make it solo and co-op? So we made a a, a very simple expansion, um, which is PDF only, uh, and the expansion was basically it added six more missions that you uh went through like in a row. It told a story. It wasn't just like roll a D six and play a mission and you you did right. the first one and the second one, the third one. And that was the solo and co op kind of expansion that which we called the Oculus Spear. Um with Space Station Zero, we decided to put um, solo and co-op play like in the forefront. You can still play adversarially if you want to. They've got the versus mode in there. We've got the versus mode in there as well. But we wanted to focus a little bit more on that. And this one's a little bit like a, a, a branching narrative uh, in that you start, you know, in this first kind of scenario, we call them challenges, and then... Uh, at the end of that challenge, if you've completed it, then you roll a die. And then sometimes you, you get to choose, but sometimes it's random and all that kind of stuff. And you're going through, there's, I think, 24 or 28 different challenges. Oh, wow. And as you kind of go through, you're obviously going to bypass a whole bunch of them, but then it gives you the replayability if you go through the next time again. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's cool. You know, that kind of that's stuff. a lot of game. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And we, we were also, beyond solo and co op, we're also very interested in um, the campaign style games like the, the uh, rain and hell was the same thing that as you played, you could add new demons. You could demons could go from being lesser demons to um, greater demons to superior demons. They could kind of upgrade like Pokemon and all uh-huh. that kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And so that's what we did with um, that game. And then this year, uh, back at the beginning of June, we launched our third game, which is called uh, majestic 13, which, if you're uh any kind of a UFO conspiracy nut uh like me uh then you probably get it but um the majestic 12 is this this conspiracy that after the Roswell crash in 47 in in uh, New Mexico that the president i think it was truman at the time truman um got this group of 12 different military guys and like business guys and all of this stuff and set them together to do research and figure out like what was going on with ufo stuff and all that and it was referred uh-huh. to as majestic 12 and that's the story that's out there uh the majestic 12 papers kind of came out in the 80s and it's like this kind of conspiracy theory well i thought well what if that was all just a uh, like a like a false flag, almost, and actually, the real you know thing is majestic thirteen. Because really, if you have twelve people, it's you'd have a, a vote sometimes that yeah, would be sure. six, which you don't need, right? So, right. in our story, um, the majestic twelve was kind of thrown out there for conspiracy theorists to pay attention to, and like a you know a false narrative. But with the real group was majestic thirteen, and it wasn't thirteen people; it was thirteen organizations. Mm. The concept is you are um, you're a team of five, and you are part of one of the thirteen different organizations. There's, um, let's see, there's uh, there's like a uh, a government organization which is like the Department of Extraterrestrial Research. Uh, there's another group that is like um, the uh, military industrial complex. They're called uh, Industrial Arms. There's a group that's like a whole bunch of the different. Um, Uh, What do you call them? Like the, you know, uh, the um, intelligence groups together, CIA, MI5, those guys are called Section 6. There's um, uh, Silicon Syndicate, which is basically all the big tech companies working together. They have their own forces. And you always have these teams of five that get sent out. And it's kind of like an XCOM kind of meets X-Files sort of thing. Sure. Sure. Alien will land someplace, maybe it's an urban area, maybe it's a wilderness area, your team of five goes out there, you're fighting generally five on one, that's kind of the very asymmetric nature of the game, because again, you're playing either solo or co-op, you're playing five on one for the most part, and uh, the monster's pretty powerful, and that's why it's not, you know, it's it's a more equal fight, Um, but again, it's designed so that Maybe you lose a character. Okay, well, you have a clone back at the base. and That's fine. But the clone might not be a perfect clone. Might be a little freezer burned or something like that. So you have (laughs) to to work for that. And, you know, so it's, again, we've been kind of straddling the line in these last two games a little bit as we do more and more of the kind of um, campaign stuff where you're starting to head into the lowercase RPG sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah kind of like you do in video games like in video games it's not really an rpg you're just getting stats and experience and you're beefing up your person to do this or that it's not like actually playing a role like i'm gonna go talk to the tavern owner you know that kind of right. thing what's going on in town it's more just the stats and the tweaking and that's what we're doing with these games they're all uh miniature agnostic we're not making a miniature line for any of these at this point um mm-hmm just so many things out there that you can use you know majestic 13 you need uh again pretty much anything can be an alien as long as you as long as you believe in yourself yeah. um <laughs> and uh the teams themselves are predominantly like modern military looking folks that you generally yeah. just paint either dark gray or black yeah. uh you Those know kind of
0: miniatures for that
1: right it kind of gives you that men in black sort of thing you know and uh and then you know like with space station zero any kind of again like you needed like some sort of mutanty kind of creatures to fight against and you need some robot type of creatures and again we're never we're never saying well they have to look like this they have to have tentacles they have to look like you know whatever we're always just oh, like yeah. it's an alien here's its stats use what you want and we've had people who've like pushed back and been like but i need to know exactly what it looks like and we're like well we don't even know you know what i mean so right. I, you know it's I, we we want to teach people and i think that specifically games workshop but the big companies in general have definitely tried to teach people when you're going to play a game you got to use the right miniatures right Mm -hmm. right you got to use our miniatures right and we're trying to be like look you can use whatever miniatures you want um sometimes there's miniatures that you're interested in that you might like to uh try and use but you've never had a game to play them with well now you do you know so absolutely um, it's It's been going well. Like, we've been having fun with it. Um, we've been producing, like I said, a game every spring. Well, technically, <laughs> the last one, not the last one, but the previous one, Space Station Zero didn't come out until later in um, August. And that was uh-huh. just because the timing with the artist. Um, we knew the artist we needed to work with on that game. Uh, He's spectacular. He's a guy named uh, Will Kirkby. And uh, his schedule, he was working with Dark Horse Comics to do a bunch of stuff for um, – He was doing the critical role comic book. He was doing two or three episodes of their issues. Why do I say episodes? But yeah, two or three issues of that. And so, because of the timing on that, we ended up having that game come out a little bit late. But it was, I mean, it's you know, we're self-published, so it's fine. But um, yeah, in general, the idea is in the future to have the the games come out generally in the spring. Um, We're already working on our next game for 2024, and we're also now starting uh, starting this winter, probably sometime in November. We're planning on putting out a little zine, which will be just basically PDF only, but it will be formatted so you could print it up and tell Adobe Acrobat to print it as a booklet, and it would print it, you Uh. know, like, you know, eight and a half by 11, but fold it in half, so it's five and a half by eight and a half. Uh, You could saddle stitch, you know, staple it if you want to. Um, And in that uh, thing, we're going to be putting in, like like, a micro game, like, which will be, like, a standalone, just very kind of simpler kind of miniature game. Um, uh, and then there'll be some add on stuff that we'll have that will give more functionality or whatever to our, uh, a couple of our previous titles. And then the plan is to put those out every winter. So basically have our big game out every spring and then our periodical out every winter and just kind of keep going forward from there.
0: Super cool, man. You got a lot of, a lot of fun stuff heading up in the, the near future. So, uh, yeah, it's right. It, so for the zine, you think it's going to be these kind of like micro games?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be, like, it's a miniature game, but it will be just for us, you know, because the first game was, like, 64 pages, uh, Space Station Zero was, like, 122, and then Majestic 13 was, like, 144. This whole zine is going to be 24, maybe 28, maybe 32 pages, some you know, multiple of four in that situation. Yeah. Because of the signatures, But yeah, so it's us just basically, and it, I'll be honest, like we had a meeting, we we have a, we have our meetings on Sunday nights, me and Vince, cause he's in Ohio and I'm in Wisconsin. And uh-huh. so we're on, we're on discord. And, uh, there's like, I was, I brought something up. I'm like, yeah, it'd be really nice if we had this. And he's like, we, we, we can't keep everything in here cause we're trying to make this as short as possible. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to like self edit, but yeah. Um, But it's kind of fun. I think I like the idea like the micro games will probably not be solo and co-op because to do solo and co-op style games, you then have to build in some sort of, for lack of a better term, artificial intelligence, some sort of AI, a rule set that the monsters or whatever the opponents have to follow. Like Mm -hmm. if this happens, then do that. And if this happens, then do that. And it if you don't have that in the rule set, then that's just a lot of extra words you don't have to put in there. So then if it's just like fight against somebody else, so yeah, they'll be, but that, that, that zine will be considerably cheaper than, you know, our, our regular books because it'll also be considerably shorter and everything like that. But honestly, like we have focused very strong on, like we both very strongly believe in keeping these things as, um, uh, you know, inclusive as possible, yeah. So, um, like, our most expensive game, which was a Majestic Thirteen, is uh, nineteen dollars plus shipping. Like, yeah, we not don't break anybody's bank, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, we've had people go, "Well, why do, Why are the insides black and white?" And we're like, "Because it's so much cheaper to do it yep. that way." You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just like the book would literally cost twice as much at least because oh, of the, of easy. that printing. And then also then the artists that we work with would then have to do, like the artists always do the, the, the cover uh, in, in color. Although with the zine, that won't be the case. That's just gonna be all black and white. Yeah. Cause if you're going to print it yourself, we don't want to use up all your color. Sure. Toner or yeah, whatever. For sure. Um, but also then that way it's just cheaper like when you tell the artist look you know we need like i don't know a, a color cover and 20 pieces of internal art that are black and white they're like oh okay well that'll go quicker then and then it's yeah. generally cheaper as well so um yeah we just uh, we just don't think that like i know that a lot of people out there like are like i really just love having this this fancy book and all this kind of stuff but i i would rather have the 50 bucks you know like i yeah, just I- you know, I, if it's if it if it would cost less and then I could buy more models, then I'm a big fan of that. So that's that's kind of what we're looking at there. Um, we still like to make the books nice. Like we, I, the artists we've been working with have been really cool. Um, I did all the artwork in majestic 13. It's so not cool. well, it's not illustration. It's all like photo manipulation, and I've been sure. a Photoshop nerd for work for literally the last quarter of a century yeah so for me it was a lot of like stock imagery of like alien monsters and um, you know military guys and stuff like that and then i wanted to make everything look like it's a very kind of dossier kind of yeah, thing where yeah. you're opening a folder and you're having a bunch of pictures in there and some of them have got stamps on them that say top secret some of them the corners are bent you nice. know and stuff like that so it was it took a lot longer for me to do that but everything was super bespoke. I would have a column that would end like here. And I go, okay, now I need like a little snippet of like a piece of a memo that's redacted that has this in it. And then I would build Uh all that and put it in there. Um, When you work with an artist, you tell them I need these pieces and these sizes roughly, but you haven't even started layout yet. So then you're like, okay, I have this space in my layout. uh, Which one of these pieces of artwork will work? And you just keep doing that until you run out of artwork. But when you're building it all yourself, as you go, you can get, Really kind of cool stuff if you can pull yeah, it yeah, off. Yeah. But it also took two and a half months. So
0: sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are trade offs for sure. Exactly. Cool, Adam. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing all this new stuff you got coming out in the near future.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah, i i enjoy I enjoy what you're doing. Um, the red envelopes show up on the monthly, and uh, I enjoy that whole concept because i I think it was two years ago. Adepticon is that when? I think when we first, because you started this before then, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll be be five years in December, actually.
1: Yeah, but I first heard about it at Adepticon because I think you had a little booth uh, out in the hallway out there. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: This is my second year at Adepticon, but yeah, yeah, thanks for the support, man. I'm happy to, very proud to have you as a member.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, great.
0: Cool, man. Well, so, and again, if you're listening out there, please check the show notes because there's going to be links to everything that Adam is up to from Tabletop Minions, Space Station Zero, all that stuff, Majestic 13, and uh, see more from the Zine in the future. But, uh, dude, thanks again for talking to you. I will hopefully hear more from you soon.
1: All right. Thanks.
0: The Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brushwilders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushwildersunion.com.